All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck nicks? What the fucksters? What's happening? Sorry, I just knocked the mic. I knocked it. And I, I'm trying to have a good tone about this because I really... I don't want to get to the point where I'm bumming people out where they're like, is Marin still fucking sad? I am. I am sad, but I'm finding little nuggets of okayness here and there. Like, no matter how far this shit goes down the uh, <laughs> the toilet in the world, I, I can still sit on my porch and pretend like things are okay. But Monkey is definitely winding down. Like today, I just said, I, earlier today, before I recorded this, I got, you know, he's kind of like stashing himself in a weird place. Not a good sign. But I got him out and he got on my chest and he just laid there and I literally cried and told my cat I loved him and that we have a lot of good memories. And we do. That's the fucked up thing, man. By the way, uh, Amber Preston, the comedian who uh, I met in the Midwest, I believe in Minneapolis, used to open for me here and there, will be on the show. Also, J.L. Covan, who does a pretty startlingly funny, if it's even possible, uh, Trump impression. I'm going to talk to him for a few minutes as well. But it's 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 strange, you know. I, it's not that I have... I guess a lot of people have pictures of their children growing up, and I have pictures of my cat, but not really growing up. But I... But I've been through so many different lives. I've been through so many lives. And I got these cats in fucking 2004, right in the summer. So the, the original crew of the five, I, you know, the two, LaFond and Monkey, you know, ended up having this amazing life and being out here. But I've been, what Monkey has been through with me is insane. I can mark the time with Monkey. I know when we when I finally brought him back, I got him to the house in Highland Park in Los Angeles. And I remember like I left him there and I had to go back to New York and I was married to Mishnah at the time and she couldn't find Monkey. And then he apparently he just stuck his head out of the, the chimney vent. He had climbed up in there. But I can mark the times of my life. He's been with me for 16 years. And I have a hard time marking the times in my life with people I've been with or relationships I've had or, or phases and you know different levels of depression, breakup, insanity. And Monkey was there. He was there. I don't want to do a premature obituary. I'm just trying to steal myself again. I'm trying to steal myself. I connected with him. He felt the love. It's a fucking cat, I know, but it's, it's, it's Monkey. He's the fa- my favorite one. And just realizing that the two things that I've really let myself love in a very deep way, maybe ever, you know, I'm going to lose, you know, fairly close to each other. Maybe some miracle will happen and Monkey will persist and keep living, but I don't know. He's acting weird. He's fucking old as fuck. He's drinking a lot of water. He's still eating. He's still purring. He's still coming around. He's still taking his medicine, going to the bathroom. He's not throwing up. No diarrhea. No fucking... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just know he's drinking a lot of water. And he's looking a little loopy. Looking a little skinny. But that's the thing, man. It's like, you know, he doesn't know it, but I know it. I can look at my life with that cat. He's been through all of it. 
I just remember when I was so sad and I had to go back to New York to take the job, to end the divorce, to get the money, to stop the hemorrhaging. And I was devastated, man. That was devastating. And this is devastating what I'm in now. I guess somehow maybe it prepared me, you know, me taking all these risks by not staying with people or making the compromises necessary or being a fucking asshole or just having a tragic thing happen. I guess I'm somewhat have been through some shit, it seems, in this life. Now, I'm that guy. But I just remember I I didn't know what to do. I had to go back to New York, and I was lonely, and I actually loaded Monkey up and brought him back to New York with me. I left LaFonda here with some other cats, Fat Moxie and uh, Boomer. I took Monkey back, and me and Monkey did like a year in New York together and came back. Like, that was the relationship I had with this fucking cat. And I guess he's hanging on. I'm hanging on. I, you know, it's like, it really is something, this grief business. That sort of, the fear of forgetting is powerful. Like, I've taken it upon myself. I have Lynn's jacket and hat and boots sort of near the door. And I don't, I finished a Joan Didion book, by the way. People recommend books. And again, people have been great. Still being great. A lot of love goes out to, uh, Tom Sharpling, Sam Lipsight, Jerry Stahl, Brandon McDonald. People have been showing up for me. Steve Danziger, Michaela Watkins. I'm giving shout outs to the people that are stopping me from falling into a pit of fucking darkness. Self-pity, maybe. I've avoided the self-pity. A woman in uh, Austin who's a psychotherapist Stephanie, she said that Joan Didion practiced, there's a difference between, and I don't, I don't know that I read this in the book, but there's a difference between self-pity and self-sorrow. The book is great. The Year of Magical Thinking. I'm happy I read it. I don't know if I read it too soon or not. But I guess the point is to keep her in my heart, to keep her in my mind. I have her jacket there and I walk in and sometimes I'll just touch it and then I'll get a flash and then I'll look at the hat and I'll get a flash of her being in those things and her face and her energy and that moment. Oh, fuck this, man. Fuck this. Wow. Someday I'll stop crying in front of my neighbors. I went over to... uh Dan's house had a socially distanced little cookout there. Dan from Gimme Gimme Records, his wife Jen, the acupuncturist, the needle lady, just sitting around out back, listening to records, eating nice food. But here's the fucking thing: look, folks, I I, I still need you know a little bit of a reality check sometimes. I. Yeah, I got there and I brought some pickled onions that I made and, you know, it was still light out and everyone showed up and came and we ate and we talked for like a couple of hours. It got dark out and I get like two and a half hours in. I got to go to the bathroom and, uh, you know, it's emotional conversations, some light conversations, but it's just nice to hang out with people. They're good people. Everyone's good folks. And I go into the house, go to the bathroom and I look in the mirror. I got my fucking sunglasses on. I mean, I was sitting there in the dark 
with four people that I know pretty well outdoors wearing my fucking sunglasses. Now, I get it. I guess, you know, they were thinking like, I guess he's really sad or this is his thing now and this is how he grieves. But wouldn't it like... Like, if I were sitting with me, I'd be like, what's this affected fuck doing? I get he's sad, but, I mean, you're among friends. Take your glasses off. No one said nothing. And I walked out. I'm like, what do you think I am, some sort of asshole? No one's going to tell me I'm wearing sunglasses for the last three hours? I didn't know. But, I mean, it's not really on them, but it's interesting how polite people are. I guess that's politeness. I mean, what were they afraid of? I guess, like, would I have said something? Hey, Marin, is it too sunny out here for you? It's fucking nighttime. I mean, what? Go fuck yourself, man. I'm sad. I'm fucking sad. I guess that's what they were afraid of. Do you, do you know, do you really need to wear sunglasses? It's dark now. Look, man, my eyes have been crying for a month, man. I want to show them. No, I'm just an idiot. I'm a dumb old man. Didn't know I had sunglasses on. Grief is twisting me up twisting me up making me look like a pompous celebrity out back at night wearing sunglasses so look i uh it's been it'll be five years actually tomorrow june 19th uh that uh, i spoke to then president barack obama incredible conversation which is always available at wtfpod.com or on stitcher premium wherever you listen uh, and now it's five years later and uh, no, okay, we're definitely not having Donald Trump on the show. That hasn't happened, though there is a secret agreement, not so secret, I'm telling you, between Brendan and I that if because we don't really do politicians, but we do presidents, we would have to indulge him if uh, if he were to play by the same rules that uh, Barack Obama did, President Barack Obama, but he will not. So I saw this guy, maybe you've seen him on Twitter, J.L. Covan, and he doesn't look like Trump in any way. He doesn't really put on any makeup other than a hat occasionally, but he does a fucking great Trump, and sometimes he'll riff out as Trump, and I, and it just it kind of kills me. Uh, like, for instance, here's a, a little bit of uh, him doing Trump. Happy Earth Day. It's a beautiful day. We love Earth. It's, you know, it's it's a great planet and we're taking unbelievable care of it because, as you know, I want the cleanest air and the strongest, cleanest water. So it's a very important day and we're doing great things for the environment, a lot more than anybody else has done. So believe me, we're doing a lot more than you ever did. I can tell you that. I can tell you that much. But am I a fan of Mother Nature? No, no. Mother Nature, as you know, is a very nasty woman. Okay. Uh, Mother Business, we like. We like Mother Business. She's strong. She wears the stiletto heels. We love the stilettos. Very powerful, very sleek, very sexy Mother Business. But Mother Nature is like kind of dumpy. Okay. And she's very nasty. She's always saying very very lib anti-Trump things, okay? So no, we don't like Mother Nature. That was um, JL Covan doing uh, our current fucking nightmare of a president. And uh, so I, I wanted to talk to him a bit because he's been doing comedy a while. You can listen to his podcast, which is called Making Podcasts Great Again. 
He's got a new album out with his Trump material. It's called Fireside Craps, The Deuce, and it's available now on iTunes and Amazon. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to get a sense of who he is. So this is me in, uh, talking to J.L. Covan. Covan. What kind of name is that? Uh, French. My father was Haitian. So my mother was Irish. That's why I look the way I do. But um, yeah. So what do you, have you been doing this a lot of places? Um, the impression I've been doing, um, like in 2016, I had a couple sort of private gigs and I, I was closing my sets with it, like at stand-up clubs. Yeah. But then just basically was relegated to sort of YouTube. It never took off the way I kind of thought it should have. Everybody else seemed to have a Trump that was taking off. Yeah. And then, you know, the, I, I work also as an attorney and I was home, uh, working from home bored. And I've been doing a couple of these just Trump videos on my phone. Because I know the voice is good, I know I have it down, and I figured, eh, let's see how these go. And a couple got, you know, 10,000 views on Twitter, which is nice, but it's not like it doesn't make a mark or anything. And then I had one a month and a half ago get 7 million views, and that sort of totally shifted sort of my online presence. And, you know, thinking my career was basically over, uh, I'm now like, hey, I think I might have just gotten a career again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you think? So you're an attorney? Yeah, I, uh, I started doing stand-up in law school in 2003 and then worked for the DA's office, worked for a firm, got laid off in 09 during the financial crisis and sort of featured full-time for like four years. Yes. And then all my money disappeared. And then I had to go back to doing part-time legal work because I hadn't given up on the idea of like, I'm going to break through at some point. Um, I don't know if you remember, I had done like the last internet viral thing I had, I did an impression of Louis C.K. back in 20. Was that you all dressed as Louis? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was funny. Right, yeah, so that that was me. And like I've had these up and down years, and I was like a guest on Corolla frequently, and then I had my stuff played on ESPN radio, but it was never enough to be like, okay, now I can get back into trying full-time. And last year, I basically took a full-time job at a law firm, moved out of the city. I'm from New York City, but I now live in Jersey. Moved out of the city for the first time, you know, at 40. Yeah. And was kind of like, I'll keep doing comedy, but I don't know if it can be my priority anymore. So, okay. So, wait. So, you were closing with the Trump in 2016, and then you did a bunch of it on YouTube. And then, what, yeah. I, like, uh, what, the third one you did recently got $7 million? Uh, yeah, it's up to, it's at like 6.8 million on Twitter and like two and a half million on YouTube. And then what does that mean? Does that, then who reaches out to you? What happens? Well, there's been, I mean, a lot of people reach out with writing suggestions. They, they, they send me emails saying, why don't you try this in a skit? Sure. But, uh, you know, some, some people, uh, celebrities have reached out to me. The only people, let me put it this way. The only people who haven't reached out to me are agents and managers. So once again, my career still seems like locked in place, but it's been, a lot, I mean, everybody but people who can maybe give me a career have reached out and told me how great I am. Like I did Howard Stern. You did. Um, I, I'm, I think I'm doing it again next week. It's been like having seven years of, of my career jammed into one month. But, so that, like, but it's still even that, though, you know, doing radio bits doesn't give you money. Exactly. And it's also weird because it's like now everybody wants to hear the Trump. And I'm like, I have been doing stand-up comedy for over 16 years. And I'm very good, in my opinion. So it's like I'm in this place now where I want to capitalize and make money and, and get my name out there, but also not have it become 
you're that guy and that's all and then wow. you say anything else and they're like oh, well nobody wants to hear that that's tricky man so uh right. but but so your act is not impression based no it, it when i started out um it was i mean like oh four oh five oh six that's really what a lot of what i did and then you know, you, as you know, you just, you live a little and you want to talk about other things and your voice develops as a stand-up comic. So then like for six or seven years, I would close with an Obama bit, but that was the only impression in my set. I had a lot of impressions on YouTube, but yeah. I kind of wanted to keep them separate. And then I've been closing with a Trump for the last three years, but like, that's the only impression in the set. What other impressions did you used to do? I mean, there's, I used to, I mean, of course, the hacky ones early on, Arnold Schwarzenegger, De Niro, I had a, I had a good Owen Wilson. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I then started developing, like I had the Louis C.K., uh, George Lopez. Uh, some friends really like my Greg Giraldo impression, oh, which yeah? is a little comedian, you know, is, is especially meaningful. Um, and now I have like on, I have like a, jo a Joel Osteen impression video. Oh, uh, yeah. I got a decent number of hits. Um, and I don't know if you know who this is, John Bernthal, the guy who played like the Punisher. Yeah, I've interviewed him. Oh, great. I have a, I have an, a really good one of him that I'm probably going to mix with Trump in the next week or two. So there's like a whole range. Uh -huh. But the thing is, the Trump has sort of dominated for, for monetary and cultural reasons. So right. that's it's become almost like a role instead of being one of many impressions I do. It's almost become like my main role over the last couple of years. Well, that's, I think it's an important role. The weird thing is that you know, my uh, Brendan mentioned to me was that it's so close and so possible that, you know, it's, it's barely a, a farce, you know? Right. <laughs> no, I, I end up trying to just go, because um, I have, the way I think I've gotten it good also, the voice was good, but I do a weekly show as Trump. And that's sort of like loose improv every week as Trump. And that sort of has made me really good at just sort of, I'm more anticipating where he's gonna be six months from now versus like, this could never happen. It's more like, I did a thing on my show where he was making fun of Shinzo Abe, like and doing a bad Asian stereotype right, accent. Right. Two friends of mine were like, dude, that was like pushing it. And I go, well, that's what he would do. Right. And then like six months later, it comes out that in private, he's been making fun of like Asian leaders accents and I go, I can't be held accountable for being offensive if I'm merely predicting the behavior of this offensive person. Right. <laughs> so it's more about keeping ahead of him than like trying to outdo him. <laughs> right. So what, what, which, what, what's the, what's the podcast you're doing or just a YouTube show? Oh no, it's, it's um, making podcasts great again is, is the weekly podcast. So that's like, um, just a, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's very fun and we've developed kind of a nice following for it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, like people will hear things and contact me like six months later. Like, can you believe what Trump said? Didn't you say that last year on the show? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's fun and scary. <laughs> so what does it take to get into Trump? Do you just drop into it? Yeah, it's, I mean, at this point, yeah. um, it's, the mindset is very easy. And <laughs> then it's just, you kind of lower the voice and you kind of, you know, then, and there's different Trumps. <laughs> there's like, I'm, I'm meeting with Mark Maron right now and it's like, we're having like a good discussion. I'm we're doing my like my, my 60 minutes voice. Yeah. We're doing good things. Yeah. You know, but if you're a reporter, especially like a black woman reporter, it's like, excuse me, you're nasty. Okay, you're right there. You're very, no, you're a nasty woman. That's why you got fired. No, not you, you. And then the rally Trump is like the biggest, which is just the, what do we think about Joe Biden? Isn't Sleepy Joe, isn't he like the worst? 
you, right there, my African-American, you know what I'm talking about. He's like the sleepiest guy. He's so sleepy. He's like falling asleep. You see him? He's like not able to stay awake. That's what they say when you're sleepy. They say you can't stay awake. It's like, I know all the words for sleeping. It's like a beautiful thing. Yeah, so <laughs> it's nice to see you laugh. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a whole range. And at this point, I credit sort of CNN. I think it was bad for democracy. But I credit them with never like going to commercial for three years while he's on TV because it was just this almost by osmosis at that point that the impression just kept getting better and more nuanced. And now because, you know, like he's actually improvising much more now. Uh, yeah, you know, a great jazz artist. Yeah, something. I mean, with these two hour <laughs> long briefings. You know, they. I have not watched one in its entirety, and I, I know that they usually cut away from them, but they've got to be just... Have you listened to any of the the two-hour briefings in their entirety? I have, and I feel a little guilty about it because part of me says, hey, it's kind of like research. I want to know if there's something he said. Yeah. Something kooky. But at the same time, I don't even care what he says because... I just have to one up it anyway. Right. And they're, they're really, they're really bad. They're, they're like, I've turned some of them off because I'm just like, these are, these are ego strokes for him. He can't do his rallies. So he gets to go out there and yell at, you know, women and liberals. But you do see, you do see how his brain works. Oh yeah. Oh no. It's because what I've said to people, whenever somebody says to me, like Trump is very smart, he's a very smart guy or he has good instincts. Yeah. I go, my, my dog has good instincts too. If there's a steak on the table, she'll probably figure out how to nudge a chair over the table, jump on the chair and get the steak. Yeah. It doesn't mean she can go to college and, and read books. It's just she is very focused on using her particular skills. And his, his instinct is a combination of ego stroke and self-preservation. So all you have to do, I've said the impression, because I do a lot of meandering as him, and that's something that people really like, the going off topic and finding your way back. It's, it's a choose your own adventure book when you're doing a Trump impression, <laughs> but the choice is always what makes Trump feel happy. So if he says a word, if he goes, you know, we're having a, uh, it's called tele teleconference. Okay. A lot of people are doing this. Tele, don't you like that word? Teleconference. <laughs> like he's impressed with the fact that he said the word. Tele so now let's go off on a little side adventure on how great that word is. Because I said it, yeah, and then we'll come back and we'll go. But it's a great thing, and we're doing great, great work for the people. You, 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 you next. Yeah, he uh, that thing, you, uh, the Nabisco riff was. That's the one that killed me. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the ventilator, the Nabisco. Yeah, have, making Nabisco. They're making our ventilators now, so we're gonna have very strong Nabisco. They're one of our great companies, a great American. <laughs> Is company. that the one that got all the hits? No, no. The first, that, I mean, that did well too, but the big one was actually the one I thought was like not as good. Yeah. Like you never know what's going to hit. It was about him wanting to reopen the country on Easter. And that, yeah, that was way too soon. So the joke that it became, the tangent was, oh, Easter, like God only brought back his son on Easter Sunday. And that, to be honest, is kind of biased because he's only bringing back his own son. Who wouldn't want to bring back their own son? Yeah. I'm going to bring back the whole economy. We're going to have a pay-per-view event where it's, God versus Trump, and who brings back more people on Easter Sunday? It's going to be a beautiful thing. <laughs> so now, what kind of law practice are, are you involved with? Do they know that you do the the Trump? They they do. Um, it's it's. I'm a staff attorney. I'd rather not say where, yeah. but it's basically you're sort of you're paid pretty well to do sort of 
the stuff that the legal profession requires lawyers to do, uh-huh. but not much beyond that. Like I often say, I, it, I sometimes say it's, you're either you're like the fluffers of a law firm. Uh-huh. You like get stuff ready at the lowest level, but you're not one of the stars and you're not doing the, the real meat and potatoes work. Uh-huh. And they do know, they know I, I was up front because I didn't want to have a thing where it's like they discover six months later and go, oh, you need to leave. So I figured rather tell them up front. And then when the Trump video blew up, we were all working remotely. And like, I had a secretary email me. I had a coworker email me. They're like, my aunt just sent me your video. And I'm like, oh, that's how I knew it's gotten big. When people who didn't even know me are getting me from their distant relatives. Well, as a lawyer, it's kind of interesting. The methodology of this particular president is that if you sue somebody, that means it'll get, you know, you know you've got time to out, uh, you know, kind of outpace it. That, you know, it oh, bu- yeah, no, his... Exactly. Yeah. Trump, Trump uses lawsuits, not, not even in pursuit of money or, or, or certainly not in pursuit of justice, but as like a delay tactic Yeah. until he can like get flown to a non-extradition country. Yeah. Well, see, I, I have no idea what's going to happen after, but like, what is the, well, that's the, the other odd thing is I, it seems like sadly, uh, given that your career is starting to take a turn and you got this record out and you've got the podcast that, you know, there, you have something invested in Trump. It's sort of like, you know, Vaughn Meter, you know, after JFK was killed, it was kind of over and a sad story for that guy. <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, you could, it seems that even if he doesn't win, God willing, uh, you'll still be able to find a way to parody him. Yeah. And I think, um, I, I joked with somebody before about Von Meter. I said, yeah, I think I had all my Von Meter tragedy and sad sack career Yeah, before, before yeah. this, instead of at least that's the right direction to do it in. Yeah. So for me, it's, I've been doing standup almost 17 years. So I know at least my chops are there. Yeah. I get the opportunity to showcase more. Yeah. I know that I, I will thrive. And with Trump, I'm still conflicted if I'm going to continue doing it. And people will think I'm full of shit, but I am conflicted about continuing it if he wins. I'm much more comfortable continuing even to a smaller audience if he loses to mock him. I can do like a here's what Trump's political commentary is on Biden right. now that he's out of office. Right. But if he gets reelected, it really does no hyperbole. It says something fundamental about this country's essence, how it picks its leaders. And it's not I, I don't think it's funny anymore. I think a mistake can be corrected, but but doubling down on it says structurally and spiritually this country has 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 hit a a tipping point i i think i i think i sadly i i feel the same way and i'm not even doing an impression yeah yeah (laughs) you know the 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 bigger concerns are like you know how do we live here if that is the world we're going to be living in yeah Yeah. and the benefits when you've had a career that's been 15 16 years of up and down and disappointments and little successes i'm at least emotionally very well equipped to have my career fall off another cliff and be like, oh, nobody wants to book me anymore. Oh, so it's just like 2015 and 2017, I guess. But you're also, you know? you're employed, which is good. Yeah, no, no, and of course, but that's, and that's something also that that fell into my lap less than a year ago. Yeah. Like I was doing part-time work for, for like six and a half years. So it's, I didn't always have this, right. but I developed the, I guess, coping mechanisms or strategies to be like, all right, it's just, yeah. you're, get used to the disappointment. And you got, you have kids? No kids. Uh huh. Married? Uh, longtime girlfriend. Yeah. And uh, and a dog. And you out there? You got a place in Jersey? Yes. So it's uh it's it's okay. It's not the way. I certainly didn't think taking three steps back from my comedy career was exactly what was needed for me to 
become a success. Hey, but you, you and me both, buddy. I mean, you know, <laughs> but uh, but it's it's really funny, and you do a great job. Thank, thanks for talking to us. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So they, again, that was um, J.L. Covan, his podcast, Making Podcasts Great Again, and his album, Fireside Craps, The Deuce, is available. And now let's talk to Amber Preston. Amber's a nice Midwestern lady. I always thought she was very funny. She opened for me. I met her in Minneapolis years ago. I'm sure we'll discuss that. Uh, her new stand-up album is called uh, Sparkly Pants. You can get it wherever you get music and comedy albums. And um, I like her. And we did this in person, in real life. She got a test to come over to my house. Should I get tested, even though I don't feel any symptoms? Is that something we need to do once a week if we're going to talk to anybody? Maybe it is. I don't know. All right, so I'm now uh, going to introduce you to my friend Amber Preston. And we're going to chat right now. What is this album called? Sparkly Parts. Sparkly Parts. First album? First album. What are we, 10 years in now? Uh, 12, 12, 15? 12-ish. 12 years in? Yeah. Well, I recorded it years ago and Uh, then just sat on it. I don't know if that's a great selling point. Yeah, no, no, don't say that. Imagine how good I am now. (laughs) Uh, But I wasn't doing that material anymore. And like, poor Dan, I I was the one that sat on it. Dan Schwissel? Yeah, I sat on it and he was like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. I like this book you sent me. I, I it just, yeah, they're I think uh, they're just fun, and some of them you're like, oh, where'd you get it? I, we had a copy of that. And my my dad's a big reader; he's a weirdo, and uh, we had a copy when I was little, and I felt very grown up reading it. He's a weirdo because he's a reader. Well, no, he's just like uh, to me, like that he, as stoic and Scandinavian and closed off as he is, like this seems like um, this was the guy, huh? Pete Hine. Um. What do you know about him? Oh, Crooks. A Crook is a short aphoristic poem. This is Crooks 1. Accompanied by an appropriate drawing, revealing in a minimum of words and with a minimum of lines some basic truth about the human condition. Crooks were created originally during the Nazi occupation of Denmark. They began life as a sort of underground language just out of reach of the understanding of the Germans. They have since become one of the most widely read forms of composition in the Scandinavian and English languages. Yeah, and they're just, some are longer, but, you know, they're just little hmm. ditties that you're like, ooh, that's that's something. That's deep. So I had a copy, and then now I've since collected. There, I think, are six of them. And did he invent it? Grooks? I or was so. I I, I don't it was know. A, th- a sort of a trend at the time. Now yeah. I'm, t- I'm speaking to you as if you're an academic. Right, you, right, what, right. Are you? Uh, I'm a historian <laughs> of Piet Hein. Uh, no, it is a little bit. You can get down the rabbit hole because he was also he would uh, kind of go head to head with this other Danish like uh, physicist. Oh, really? And uh, well, I'm very excited yeah, about yeah, it because it seems to be appropriate for the time we're living in. I mean, a secret language of truth. Is all we really need at this short point. Short quips that you can yeah. take in in moments of panic. Yeah, we can. I'll just start tweeting Grooks. I've been I've been uh, Instagramming them. Content. <laughs> That's the content I've been creating. Wait. So is your dad like? Is he really Scandinavian? Well, Norwegian and German, but you know, North Dakota. I feel like we're very German, but it is like that Scandinavian. I feel like um, 
closed off. Don't let. But you do you know, like? Do you have pa- relatives with accents, or no. are you talking generations? Generations here. Um, my mom's side of the family has some German Russian. Like they have accents. They're in the middle of North Dakota, like related to Lawrence Welk. Really? Yeah, that's what my grandma says, but. <laughs> I don't. That's the that's the one. That's Welk is the one. Welk. Jews, it's always like Barbara Streisand, that's, or they they lived across the street from it. There's some connection. Some yeah. Well, small town North Dakota, chances are Welk was there. That we were some related. Welks. What's some that Welks. one? Does they, is that his real last name? Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, my dad would. The, we've, I've been to the farm. Oh, gal. It's really what? Great. There's a Lawrence Welk farm. There's a Lawrence Welk farm. Yeah. But wait, you were brought up in South Dakota? North Dakota, how dare you? Sorry, South Dakota is problematic right now. Oh, North North Dakota, what are the well, what well, are the big differences? They're problem. We're quiet about our problematic mm. issue. Like we'll, we'll be judging and don't more want more Scandinavian. Yeah, and more so, uh, and Germans, Lutherans, Catholic. Oh yeah, I'm Catholic, super Catholic. My family is oh. very very Catholic. But the, but wait, but there's a lot of Lutherans. So North Dakota is your people. Yes. And they came down like in the 1800s sure. when they made land available to be farmed by people who knew how to farm who knew how to farm horrible land. Right. Is that wasn't that the I deal? I think so. And I think they were like, we can't do any better. Right. So we let's... don't know what to do with this, but you people who live in Scandinavia seems to have You've figured seemed, it out. You seem to not want anything better. So. Well, no, they knew how to farm yeah. that land. I think was the idea, and the deal was they would be given a property if right. they could make it. Useful. Do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom's side came from, they were uh, Germans that were fled to Russia and then came from Russia. So. Right. I mean, I read yeah. there's a book called The Great Plains. The Great Plains. I'll have to read it. By Ian Frazier, which is a sort of like condensed history of the region. Yeah. And it goes into all that, why the Scandinavians came and the Russians came and the Germans, because it was like a free-for-all. Right. It's like- we can we can't we don't have any luck with this, and I think they brought. <laughs> we tried, right? I think they brought winter wheat with them. Mm. That was like, and they figured it out. But but North Dakota, I have no sense of it. Yeah, I, that when and they want it that way, they don't want no, they don't want you to know. But was it bleak? What what town? I, I, I grew up in Fargo, which is right on the border of Minnesota, and it's a thriving, right. I dare say, metropolis. I've never been to Fargo. You haven't? No. I swear that you, didn't you with oh with e, oh with Eugene with uh, Eugene and, uh, yeah I swear that you maybe guys you're did. right maybe you're right maybe you don't we remember we blocked they were like Eugene Thank and you. Andy it was an upstairs joint it was a small joint that was the first time I'd seen you when you did it in Minneapolis at the Turf Club didn't but, you didn't I have you on no, no then I didn't know you then I did was, I go back to the Turf Club and you opened for me mm-mm. where did you open for me first at, at the Triple Rock oh the that's rock. another rock bar though right right, right. you'd see, we you had seen me in Aspen. And then right. asked me in Aspen. At Aspen at the non-HBO comedy. Right, business. right, right, right. The rooftop. The rooftop, yeah. Or the uh, red, what is it? Was it rooftop? Rooftop, yeah. yeah. As the Listen, there's a lot of pressure from here as the least successful guest you've ever had. I really that have to- That is not true. Oh. I can I can name- <laughs> Well, don't, don't. <laughs> but thank you. But You're, I just I, felt like I, I, I can't I, even have that. I thought I was gonna, that was going to be- No, I don't, I don't think it's true. I mm. think that uh, you're just at a level- where you know you're working, you're solid, you've got the shit. Put out a record years ago <laughs> that you sat on. That's foresight, right? I'm gonna hold off I'm on this. Wait till people have nothing to do. But wait, I need to like we need to do some basic stuff okay. here about like because I don't know that I. Where's Mary Mack from? She's northern Wisconsin, but I we met in Minneapolis. Right, yeah. but but you should not Dakota. No, I don't know if I've fine. talked to anyone from Dakota. No, uh, either Dakota, either Dakota. 
Yeah, I can't. There's, well, there's not like a, a dearth of interesting, famous, but a you, lot of interesting people. But you but grew up in Fargo? Grew up in Fargo. But that's like how many, how big a city is that? A million 100, people? No, 100,000. Oh, that's not, right. Well, maybe maybe a little more. Like, uh, maybe 100,000. And you have brothers and sisters? I have a brother uh, who lives in Montana with adorable children and like lives off the land and would live really? off the grid if like he could. Ranch kind of thing? Like, yeah, he like does mason work, but like has like, you know, acres of land and. Oh, it's so like, nice up there. What are we doing here? Uh, yeah, but well, I don't know what's the, what's the uh, the white supremacist contingent. Well, there's that 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 that's you know a thing to consider. <laughs> and then my sister is uh, tw- younger than me. She lives in uh, Chicago, but oh, she just moved there. Like a real city. She yeah. just moved there, and now she can't leave. Yeah, no. She- and she's not working. Like she just moved there. She you know she's like just bartending. Uh, so she barely like I don't even know if she's getting unemployment because she like just. Oh, got there, no. got a big dog, and an living life in apartment. But she's got great roommates, and they're doing all right. But it's like, yes, I'm yeah. leaving Fargo. I'm doing it. Yeah. Now you can't leave your house. Right. Yeah. But like, so what do you do in in, in Fargo? Your you dad leave. did what? Yeah, I you know. Leave. But your dad was my dad's. A, uh, he's an, a retired electrician, and then my mom had uh, a few odd jobs when I was little, and then worked in the school system as like a a paraprofessional, and then. Uh, Worked at the high school. Just regular time. folks. Regular, hardworking. My dad's a Vietnam vet. Really? Yeah. Does he talk about it? No. He doesn't talk no. about it sometimes. I remember asking him about it when I was little, yeah. uh, as you're learning about it. No grasp of anything. And uh, we also had a, like a silk-like kimono that uh. he brought back. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the artifact? That was the thing. Um, and then we found a, uh, a box of slides that like, I got a family gathering. Yeah. My aunt like pulled up and showed. From yeah. And my dad was like, I don't know what's going to be in here. Like There was there were pictures of like lady tour guides taking him and some guys on a tour in uh-huh. Australia. and like So he got to see some interesting things. But uh, no, like uh, in the shit, me and the grunts guys. Me, no. We, these are the... The squad I was with. Well, some of that kind of jazz. But then year, maybe like eight years ago, I wrote him a letter. Yeah. Because I, heaven forbid, I ask him face to face. He's going to hate this. He hates like sharing. I'm going to not Anything? tell him. Yeah. He doesn't come to my shows because he like, well, he comes. He comes. He's I come feel like down. he came to one. That he you... does come. He doesn't like it. Oh, yeah. And he's been to all the shows and he will proudly say, well, I've been to all of them. I've been to the worst <laughs> ones even. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> Don't you do a joke about it? I'm sure I do. But yeah. He, um, so I wrote him a letter yeah. um, asking him about Vietnam. Recently? About six years ago. Oh. And then he, re- he, one day when I was home, on our way out the door, driving yeah. back to Minneapolis, he like handed me a notebook and I opened it and he like slammed it shut and was like, "Don't read this now. It's an answer to your letter." And it was like twelve handwritten pages of like his experience, oh. like getting there. Uh, he was supposed to be a shit burner, which, was his job. Which like means what? Burning the shit. Oh really? Like getting rid of. That's a job. That's a job. Yeah. And then the guy who did that. Yeah. Or that some it was I forget I have to go back and reread it. It was some like that was going to be his job, but then it, the guy who did that wanted to keep that job because he was going to be out in a few months. Uh, so then my dad was working on helicopters. So he didn't. I don't think he really saw too much action because he was like a tiny. But he man was stationed of in Vietnam. Yeah, he was in Vietnam for a year. He left the day before Thanksgiving and came back the day after. And that was it. And that was it. Which my grandmother tells us every Thanksgiving. And then he came back and he um he the only thing I remember him saying when we were little is that. It was hard to come back because nobody wanted him there, and then nobody cared when he when he got back. So mm. if you, I think I would love to know. I think there are some years after that that are party time. Interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I talked to somebody else about this once. 
about the parent who was in Vietnam, and then there was some shit that went down in the years after, but eventually they level off. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, what, you you go when you're 18. So he's back when he's no, 20, 19, 19 20. You see this crazy stuff where you're going to go get a... Go to school? You're going to get a part-time job? You're yeah, going to go yeah. back and live with your parents? And right. Like, what do you... Got to blow off some steam, figure out what you've been through. But it sounds like he didn't get too fucked up. No. <laughs> well, if he did, he came back from it. Uh... And he came back and met your mom, and that was that? Yeah, I guess so. They were together like eight years before they got... Wow. Yeah, they were like dirty hippies living in sin, as my grandma says, and followed the Grateful Dead. And They did? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's super deadhead. My first concert was Bob Dylan. Like When you were a little kid? Yeah, sixth grade. What tour was that? I wonder what year Oh, I have that. the t-shirt. 1990. Mm. Uh, G.E. Smith was touring with him because I opened the hotel door for G.E. Smith. We, my, we were pre-partying. Yeah. And, uh, pre-partying Well, the they, were, they were in the bar and I was in the arcade. Yeah. And uh, I saw him come down the stairs and I was like, oh my God, that's that's the guy from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's been around. So that was G.E. Smith that was in the band. Yeah. Do you remember the concert being good? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I thought it was cool because I knew some like... I was like, no, p- play like the pillbox hats, you know. Like I, yeah, I yeah. knew like some. I thought it was, I knew some B sides. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. thought it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were, but were they like, like real hippies? Like they were smoking the weed? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think really? they. Well, um, my mom, I, I think stopped a long, long time ago. Yeah. I don't know if I could say the same about my dad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they definitely like. I've seen pictures from there. Oh wow! Their, and they, did they like travel and tour with the? I don't think follow they the dead around. Li- not as much as that, but they definitely like any of their uh, former houses. There was always many, many people. It seemed like living there. <laughs> like in any gathering <laughs> picture, it was like <laughs> not a lot of clothing, a lot of just like people and really one of those funky cigarettes. You, you mom, come from and, dirty hippies. <sighs> a little bit. A little bit. But no, everybody's leveled off. Everybody, they're good. The grandparents now. Oh wow! Reti- my mom just retired. And you go back to Fargo sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't meet you there. No, Aspen, and then Minneapolis. and then you asked me to open for you in Minneapolis. At the I met club. you in Aspen. Yeah. That I remember that was really bad altitude sickness for me that time. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. They had oxygen. But it's just like, I usually don't get it that bad. It was just really fucked me up that time for some reason. Did Mm. you get it? Did we go up on a gondola We did go up on a gondola. Who else was in that gondola? Do you remember? I do. Well, I, my- Was it Ryan Singer? No. Maybe. He was there. He was there. Aparna. Uh Uh-huh. Tim Harmston. Who was else at that festival? Oh, the the, um, God's Pottery guys. Uh, Wilson, and I can't remember the other guys. I don't remember those guys. Yeah. I don't remember them. Where are they from? Are they here? No, they don't do it anymore. They like- were a funny like um, Christian camp counselor sing- songs. It was a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I think, advanced fairly far on Last Comic Standing. Yeah, like that. Uh huh. They had like a crazy two year run, and I don't think that they planned. That was the- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that. That was like the the like this is the bit that we are committed to forever. But yeah, I can't I can't speak for them. Yeah. So I met you in Aspen. Mm-hmm. Talked. Yep. And then I hosted um, because. Uh, I hosted the show, I think, before yours at yeah. the the big theater, and then you're like, "Hey, what are you what are you, what are you doing next month?" And like, yeah. like oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, actually, I do. I was at a, going to a festival in Asheville, and I came North back. Carolina. Early, yeah, and I was like, again, uh, I felt so cool because I was like, "Oh, I gotta." I'm going to leave this festival early. i got to go back and open for Marin on a rock club. <laughs> no big deal. I remember that rock club gig. We were standing on the floor. Yeah. Slightly uh, raised above. Yeah. I, I, I'm starting to get like these weird kind of, sort of like PTSD from 
certain gigs, like just sort of like I did that. Like I, you don't not, have a font, or you just. It, but what? like I did Fargo, like it's out of my brain because right. it was difficult. Yeah. You know, like I really thought that that tour with Eugene and Andy, like we were just gonna, like you know, Eugene was gonna pull all these people in, and you know, and it was gonna be great. Yeah. It was this big idea me and Andy had, and, and it was just okay. Yeah, it was weird. And it just, I don't know. What man. was it called? It was like, like the anxiety or the uh, everything. Oh, stand upity. Stand upity, okay. That was Andy's thing. Yeah. Then me and Andy ended up getting a fight over bullshit and whatever. Did you, did you guys drive to Yeah, we of? drove the whole thing. Uh, hours and hours. Yeah. Yeah, I used to say, uh, I used to do a joke about it. Like driving with Andy Kildor, it's like driving with the history of the Jewish people. <laughs> but, um... So when did where did you start in Fargo? No, Minneapolis. You moved to Minneapolis. I, mo- I moved to Minneapolis for college. Oh, you did. Left Fargo when I was eighteen. What college? University of Minnesota, mm. Twin Cities, mm. and uh, got a degree in theater, and then did absolutely nothing with it. Is uh, that true? You're a stand-up comic. Like, what did you do? Like, what kind of theater? Do you got a like undergraduate degree? Full yeah. four years. Mm-hmm. Did the acting? I did. Directing? Uh, I mean, uh, no, acting. Uh, just a little a bachelor of arts in theater, and then like bartended and all acting in, though. Yeah. I mean, you had to like take other, you know, yeah. you had to learn some lights and, yeah. s- you know, set and right. stuff. Respect but, to the, all the elements. Yeah, but I mean, but did you did you like the acting? I did, and I still do. And uh, and then I just didn't do anything. I don't know you start bartending and you're like, oh, I'm making fat cash and partying and ooh, smooching boys, boys and <laughs> yeah. And then I got a, a real job in finance. And you did? I did. I worked in corporate America. I worked um, uh, for Piper Jaffrey. And then I, the little group I worked with spun out, so I worked for this little um, venture capital company yeah. and uh, worked in, yeah. <laughs> for how long? Uh, gosh, I, maybe eight years. Yeah? Because I started doing stand-up when I worked that job. Oh, you were I was like, almost 30. So you are like stuck in this fucking hell job. You, yeah. you just, you kind of fell into it, huh? You kind of just, like you took theater and then you got a bartender job and then you're like I guess you just this isn't what life is and <laughs> I was you... like oh no is this is what life I was, I think I was more like this this is what life is what bartending N- no the, the like the corporate job I know but you did it yeah I mean you did you know you, you like you, it doesn't sound like even there was a break in between you didn't even try the other thing no I didn't I, and it was I think did it eat you up or you just sort of like eh or you're I, just too fucking out of it. I think a little of both. Like some days you're like, what the fuck yeah. am I doing? Right. And then other days you're like, well, you're working hard and right. you're paying your bills. Oh, that's and that. that's all that that's all that matters. Right. That's that uh that kind of uh, Scandinavian yeah, don't be so showy. Uh-huh. You gotta you you're making decent money, you're you're starting to save, you got that four oh one K. What more could you possibly uh, want but what were you doing like in in finance what, what, i was what an administrative you? assistant then executive assistant making travel plans and putting together oh presentations and yeah sitting in a cubicle what did you learn uh, uh, powerpoint i guess yeah, i don't did? know how to you know how to deal with people who, i i i liked <laughs> them all yeah. i liked uh, yeah, they're great people but uh like politically we'll mm. say like i didn't agree uh huh. With a lot, a yeah. lot of that, that shouldn't so. be in the workplace, anyways. Well, yeah. trickled over. How to you know? Yeah. Uh, how to how to how to I don't know. Be maybe diplomatic. Tre- how to treat an assistant? Maybe someday because they did treat me well, but sometimes like, uh, come on. I can't believe you did that. I, I mean, I can believe it, but like, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and it is like I, I have an adult have since realized. Do you know about the the guess and the ask culture? No, you're either what is a that? guesser or you're an asker. Oh, really? Tell me about it. <laughs> 
I wish people could see your face right there. Like, oh, really? <laughs> Tell me about it. Hey, I got to bring something interesting to the no, table. No, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. I don't know. It's um, I'm curious. A, you're either a guesser or an asker. I am very much a guesser, and I am trying not to be so much. Get, uh, ask culture, you brought up that you should always ask the question, but know that the answer could be no. That's a possibility. Oh. Uh, guess culture, you yeah. passive aggressive. That... You are learning the like the fine. You're like feeling out clues, yeah, and you yeah. don't ask unless you're pretty sure the answer is yes. So, like my husband's an asker, I'm a guesser, uh-huh. and I'm I'm working towards not being so much that way. Uh, so, a guesser is that the same as is this like a codependent thing? I am like kind a passive like aggressive, a, kind of door like a doormatty kind of. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I like I really like I wanted to swear, but I was like, "That's not nice." <laughs> you can swear. I'm all, come on, uh, no, you're not a doormat. You're, you're, it's like you're navigating and you're figuring things out. And you're picking up subtle clues. I know, but you're you're sort of you're speculating and you're not yeah. taking a lot of chances. Right, right. <laughs> Until you know, like you'll take the chance eventually. Uh huh. Maybe. Right, maybe. Maybe. But uh, don't as a guesser, don't you always assume that the answer is no and that you know you're not going to be good enough or that you probably shouldn't well, I mean, even bother with it. I mean there's some of that. I mean I'm thinking that right now. <laughs> Jesus. Uh but yeah, you're you're like and you're trying to figure it out in like that passive aggressive uh, yeah. way and uh So you passive aggressive, you're pretty good at that? Oh, okay. I I Yes, I've gotten better, but oh, better at it or better at not better doing at it. not doing it, and I can tap into it when I need to. Like, especially you throw in that mid, that Fargo. You, I mean, you can just like, uh, you know, like oh, that's neat how you have the walls. Like, <laughs> like they can just not. Oh, you can just move them. Oh, okay, oh, so you yeah. could put them away and clean it up if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, well, isn't that nice? <laughs> I remember working with you, <laughs> just because like you know th- nothing's great, is right. it? Well, you don't want to. You don't like want to get off stage. You know, I'd be like, "Huh?" And you'd be like, "It's okay." I don't know. Come on, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, here's the real truth. Uh, especially that last run of the theaters, I was probably stuffing my face backstage with treats that people, people made for you. So it's probably like, "Uh huh, yeah, it's great." And I meant the cake or something. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. Yeah, you don't want any. You don't want to get too excited about anything. You don't want to enjoy anything too much. Just. And you you were you're aware of this, but like yeah. you, by the time you were aware of it, though, well, it was already who you were. Like, I think it, it is. It's deep. Like I catch myself, and I'm such a rule follower, and like yeah, I just and it's it's a yeah. I want to break out of it, but oh, I can't. Like, gotta wait for that walk sign. Cannot, <laughs> cannot, <laughs> cannot cross. This is problematic. Yeah, yeah, especially in. But this, you grow up with hippies. Well. Yeah. Were they like that? I think I think so. My mom, I think, is definitely guess culture, uh-huh. um, and maybe my dad is a, a little of both. I don't uh-huh. know because I can I think I can communicate. I think I can dabble in both languages. Hmm. But now, it's just like you know, in the house, it was like see, like I can't. If I even fucking think that someone's being passive aggressive with me, but how are we friends? No, I mean but, because like I, you know, I know you and right. you're funny and you're a comic. Yeah. And, you know, I can break through that shit. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, no, but like people who, like, I always assume they're fucking with me anyways. Right. I'm already sensitive. Right. So when I get diminished at all, like, because I think my mom was a little like that. Everything was, it, you know, it was always sort of like, why, why, uh, why did you get a B? Right. That kind of mm-hmm. shit. Like, is there, it's like you're never quite good enough. Yeah. And I fucking just. I, just... I grew a little bit like that too, but I didn't feel quite as judgy, but like. 
looking, you were like, nothing's ever great. I feel like that was a little bit of my upbringing too. Like I, grades came easily to me and I did well in school. Well, that's and, good. And things, but it was never, and they're very proud of me. I don't want to throw my parents right. under the bus. And, right. And I love them and they're great. But, but yeah, it's ne- like, I just had a, you know, the album coming out. My mom's like, oh, you were in the newspaper. How come? <laughs> like, well, Read it. Yeah. Read the article. Yeah. She's like, oh, oh for the album. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's well, good. We're proud of you. I'm like, well, how come? You know, I mean, like that kind of. It's the it's, worst. It's always. I mean, I don't know what, but if they did say like that was such a good show, or man, we're so proud of you for like even doing the littlest thing, I'd be like, that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Oh, what? really? You know, I think I think like yeah. no one could win. I guess that's true, but like you know, when it's like growing up and your parents are like, how does somebody get on that other show that you weren't? You know, like how do you? Maybe you should talk to Bill Maher or somebody, or you want my, my daddy say, talk, he seems to know at least they right? like they are in the world. They want you to choose something in this industry. My parents no. are a little bit like, so do you think you'll you get you think you'll stay in Los Angeles or are you guys? Um, what about you? Don't think you could do that in Minneapolis? I'm like, how many commercials? Uh, how many things? Why do they I want you to come for? back? Just to be closer. Oh. They love me. I'm a treasure. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like the idea of living near my parents or. Having them, I don't know. Usually, it has to do with kids. Then see, like then yeah. they'll start bullying you, bullying you into right. kids. Well, I'm old. We're at the age now where people just, just are like, "Oh, did you like? Are you guys going to adapt?" Like yeah. they, you know, like we've we've missed that. Have you? I think so. How old are you? I'm forty. You you probably get one out. Yeah, I mean it's Hollywood, so sure. Rich, rich white <laughs> women have babies in their yeah. mid forties, but I've got two yeah. of those. Yeah, uh, you don't think? No? I mean, I love kids, but I don't. It's it hasn't happened. It's. Uh, you know. Have you just been waiting for? Are you guessing? <laughs> We're get, I'm, I'm. I'm just feeling everything out. <laughs> you know how it's supposed to happen. Uh, not necessarily stopping it. As a uh, comic, Tim Harmson says, "Like yeah. we're not not trying." <laughs> like I mean, we're. I'm home alone with my husband, trapped. Yeah. In quarantine, so things are happening. Right. But it just never happened. It hasn't happened, and mm. I'm not like not freaking out. Not freaking out. Is he? No. Oh. If he is, he isn't. But he he would he would tell me. Well, yeah, I mean, it seems to be one of those things that people discuss when you do the marriage thing. <laughs> right, you want children. Right. Did you do that? Did we just... did, we did, and we were like, they're great, and we love them. But if it doesn't happen, I think what we have is also great. I, you know, I'm that way as well. I mean, I no, I didn't want them. Yeah, but you I, didn't not want them. No, I didn't, I not wanted them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just but not because I've any, I don't have anything against them. Yeah, but. I just was, it just caused me anxiety to just think about having yeah. them. You know, like I'm too anxious and too selfish and too emotionally volatile. Those are all, that's very good reason. To be a good parent. But I bet you're a fun uncle sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I think I would, I can fundamentally take care of people, but I just don't trust myself uh, emotionally and yeah. also with like the, the, I'm childish emotionally. Yeah. And I don't want to be that parent that's like, you know, why is the fucking kid not talking to right. me? Right. Because he's four. I don't right. give a fuck. Right. It's bullshit. And that's just four teenagers. Ooh. But now I find myself, like on Instagram stories, a couple mm-hmm. of my friends have kids. Mm-hmm. And like I look, I watch the kids and I'm like, that seems like an ex- like yeah. they're engaged in exciting life. Well, and like the further it slips away, the more I'm like, oh, shoot. I think oh, yeah. my body, I'm supposed, and just like this whole, you know, everything on the planet says that I, this physical being I am in is supposed to be able to create life. Yeah. Doesn't Ryan do a bit about that? Maybe. About the moment your uh, guys are about to, you know, come, and you know, and and you know, you shouldn't. But the, everything, the entire yeah. history of the species is <laughs> right behind you. 
Yeah. And it's like, wait, I haven't? Like, yeah. what's wrong with my body Should, that I, ha- uh, I haven't? Not that I was like, yeah. Ever. I mean, I wish I'd been more active as a youth, but. Um, you weren't? No. Again, follow the rules. You can't, no, I would then. Oh, because of the Catholic, Catholic thing. Catholic guilt, man. Ooh. You grew up thinking there was a hell? Oh, yeah. And that, that was wrong. <laughs> How's hell holding up for you? Is it <laughs> I mean, still, uh, you know, it's like a different place to go, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's some, some place, it's leaving the house. It's not as scary <laughs> Not anymore. as scary, yeah. Do you still believe in it? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, I don't. Uh, I'll wait till my grandparents, all of them are dead before I can start. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I got three out of I got three out of my four grandparents. That's amazing. What yeah. are they, like 90? Yeah, 93, 95. We just, I'm very lucky. I actually, right before lockdown, was in... Uh, did a big show at the Fargo Theater and then was in Chicago and then was supposed to do uh, Grand Rapids Laugh Fest it was another place it was oh, the yeah. first time I did a live WTF I didn't know what I was doing it was not funny at all but you know I was there and who else was on that one that one was a great Tommy Jonigan, uh Kevin Nealon oh, yeah. and then Moshe Kasher like came up from the audience and told oh, the story oh, and right. I was like what is happening <laughs> I didn't know so then I did the live at PodFest right when I first moved here and I was like newly single and I was crazy and I was the last guest so this is the third one and this is the third one on? I'm pretty big time my biggest credits prior to this are being a guest on this show <laughs> Oh, that was the one, the all women all show. All women, yeah. It was me and Whitney and Pamela. That was good. Yeah, it was great. And um, I got you like killed uh, it. Yeah, that was an. I was crazy. I it was a crazy person. I remember now. Yeah, it was real. I was hyper. like, oh, she's so much better now. <laughs> she's finally cut loose. So I was. I was out of control. <laughs> you there were. Was, there was a brother of one of the new kids in the block in the audience, and he talked to me after the show. I mean, you've made <laughs> things happen for me, Mark. There was? Yes. Which one? Joey McIntyre's brother, Tommy or Timmy. I don't remember. What the fuck was he doing there? He was there because Joey McIntyre is friends with Graham Elwood. I know way too much. And it is a gift. Graham Elwood from Canada? (laughs) Gift that I have to bring new kids on the block into every conversation. Um, You haven't had any of them on the show, have you? I haven't had any of them. I mean, I don't know that. I work with Marky Mark, though. Well, there you go. Isn't he one of them? Yeah, he's a brother. He's not. His brother's in the new kids. Donnie Wahlberg, his brother's married to Jenny McCarthy. Have you had Jenny on the show? No. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. Oh. I don't know what I'd do with Jenny. Talk about vaccines and no. Donnie. All right, so here you are, corporate culture, administrative yeah. assistant. Right, and then and then I, I prefer executive assistant. Right, fine. Sounds, sounds fancier. Were you losing your fucking mind? A or, little what, bit, yeah. How'd you do, what'd you do comedy on a dare? What happened? I think I just, yeah, I think I told someone. Yeah. And then I set the date, and then people were going to show up. And I didn't know how it worked at Acme. It was where I signed up. I didn't realize Acme. that, like, you didn't just get up. Mm. You know, I didn't realize a bajillion people sign up. I, Is that how it works there? Yeah. I, you know, it's so like the store or anywhere else. Like, a bunch of people go and sign up on a list, and mm. then an hour later, they put the list out. And so I said I was going to do it on whatever, December 6th. Yeah. And then the week before, I was like, oh, shit. I've invited people. Again, not realizing... Like, don't invite people. Your first time? To your first fucking you know, time. To your first five years? Although, the first time it probably was because you're so high and and, and they're just so impressed that you did it. But uh, Did you practice on people? No, but I mean, with the acting, I knew like, I knew, and I'd gone, I would go see comedy and would go to you the- You did? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was something that was in your repertoire, live comedy? Yeah, yeah. A little bit when I was an adult. I, I wasn't, I didn't listen as a kid like there's some comics who are like when what? I was five I was listening to right. albums and I, no but when you were working at the executive assistant you guys I would, would go to Acme like let's go see a comedy show yeah yeah and you know we had we were like you we remember? knew of Swartzen because the, uh, his Nick? his half hour had just come out and he's from Minnesota we knew Bamford way back then too because she was just like the coolest already yeah where, was she from up there too yeah she's from Duluth 
Oh, um, yeah. But I don't know where she started stand-up, if she started. And we all knew Hedberg. Sure. Know, so... Because he was from there. He mm-hmm. lived, that was, like, he came from two places. Yeah, but, I think Seattle also. Right, right. But him. his family was mm-hmm. from there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Minneapolis? Or I think somewhere. Minneapolis are like a suburb. Right. Yeah. So you knew him yeah. briefly when his headshots just said Mitch? Right, <laughs> right. And he's like touring with Chad Daniels and Darlene Westgorn, like doing small Chad towns. Chad Daniels, yeah. another one. Mm-hmm. Great comic. Yeah, he, but he is like, I just worked with him um, in... This summer in Sacramento, and and then here in LA, he had me open for him at the Improv, uh-huh. and his fan his fans are everywhere, and it sold out months before really? the show at the Where, Improv. At the Improv, yeah. Uh huh. I was gonna tell you when we did the tour, for the last special, yeah. not the most recent special of yours on Netflix, too real. Um, that we you filmed in Minneapolis. Yeah. I was so sick that whole tour and trying when we drove from Madison <laughs> to Minneapolis, yeah. I was trying not to cough. Like I think I had a sinus infection. Oh yeah, I was something often you were like, I'd be like, no, nope, I'm great. I'm not sick at all, no, sir. Uh, I felt. I remember so, feeling bad. So bad, and uh, yeah, but it's all turned out because I didn't want you, you to get you, sick. You, but uh, that's very nice of you. <laughs> yeah. And you went and got a coronavirus test before this <laughs> right. show. Yeah, because my husband was like, you cannot go. You can't go to Mark Maron's house. You yeah. can't get. You can't infect an icon, a comedy icon. I'm like, well, geez, like I haven't uh, left the house and. A month. What is wrong? Does it feel weird? Am I like the first person you talk to in person? Yeah, without that's Outside not my. Your... Well, we have a real Jesus neighbor. We have a du- we live in a duplex. Real Jesus neighbor on one side in construction. I cannot stress to you how close and how much construction is happening next to my head in the morning. Like our bedroom window. Like I could open the window and that's shake the, the hands. Fucking worse, man. So it's like I can't even like, let me just go sit outside and read a book. It's because it's either Jesus telling lady telling me how this is uh, end times and like we all got to turn uh, like this is this is in the bookmark. You just know, ask my neighbor. Ask no, my I, neighbor. I know it's in the and, book. And, um, so wait. So all right, well, how does that like how often do you see her? Um, well, anytime we open the door, she'll open the door. Like oh, our oh, our doors are like oh, it's oh. like an L, so our door op- like uh, you know what I mean. Like oh uh, gosh, so and she's fine, but but like she's really into. She's um, a Jew for Jesus. Oh wow, so that's extreme. And uh, they but, uh, they they double down. Yeah, yeah. On the Jesus, it's, everything comes back to. And she's a f- like she'll ask you a question, but doesn't really want you to answer because mm. she wants to. Right. Tell, you, Tell about, you about Jesus. About Jesus. The good and, news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um this is this is all prophesized and pretty soon they're gonna be putting chips on us and Oh, it's the six 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 chips. Uh, yep, yep. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, of course. So, the Illuminati Mark of the Beast. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to get my newspaper, <laughs> maybe read this book. Because now they're otherwise it's construction on the other side. Construction. I had to deal with that for a year. Oh. They built a bank. They put a foundation. Here, uh, uh, with the Not other here. House? No. In Boston, when I was younger, <gasps> when I was just starting out in comedy, like staying up late, yeah, and they were they were putting a foundation. Oh, just jackhammer. A, no, bigger jet, dropping a giant thing from a crane onto oh. steel girders, like they were nails. They were putting nails into the earth, giant nails into nails the earth, into with the a, earth with a dropping fucking rock. What time did they start? Crane. Like seven. Yeah, you can because now in oh, LA fuck. you can start at seven a.m. weekdays, eight a.m. and sometimes at six forty-five. Uh, and the trucks type, rolling up. The type of futile anger you experience, <sighs> where you like you know there's nothing you can do. It's yeah. a good life lesson. And I h- uh, hate confrontation so much. Yeah. Well, Again, what are you gonna do? Yeah, but they're 
you know, we are paying rent and they're leaning a lot of the <laughs> like wood and stuff on our, oh. like by our, our bedroom window. Yeah. Our back, and my husband is like, he's talked to him several times and he's, About taking, leaning, yeah, him. and talked to the landlord and he's, and he's, he's pretty fired up. But <laughs> I'm like, if there's, if the, like these workers, they don't give a shit. Like they're just, they're what are, ju- they, what are they building? Uh, they're remodeling, like there's three houses on the, a duplex, oh. a little bungalow, and then a big house and they're remodeling the little bungalow that I think they've planned to just like, oh, we'll just replace a couple of things. And then it was like they pulled the thread and we're mm. like, oh, we need to totally redo this. Oh, so now it's going to be forever. Yeah. And they're redoing our driveway to get, I don't know, today. Wow. It's, oh, a driveway? Really? I guess. Cement? Uh, yes. I don't know. So it's the same units, it's the same owners yeah. as your point. I get it. But it's like the one time in history where for a month- we can, no, we can, I can sleep in. Yeah, I, can, I could do not. I could. I'm really good at doing nothing. I could sleep Me in. Me too. I love to stay up late and sleep in, but nope. we can't. I'm fucked. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. You're going to comedy shows. Mm-hmm. Executive assistant. <laughs> you see Bamford. You see Schwartzen. Yeah. You've seen uh, Chad Daniels. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I, so I thought I'd try it. And I said, I'm going to try it at least three times, no matter what happens. At Acme. Well, I didn't know. I, again, I didn't realize. Like, yeah. I got up two weeks in a row. Yeah. And then... Lewis? Uh, yep. I don't know who was actually running the Monday... I don't... I mean, he doesn't pick the Monday night list. I think maybe he'll he'll say, like, ooh, once you get to a certain point, he'll be like... Like, I remember the first time I got five minutes instead of three. Uh, do you remember seeing Hedberg? No. Oh, you never saw him? Mm-mm, no. Oh, okay. No. Um, he, by the time I started, he was already, like... I remember, like, I just started, and he's on Letterman again. Or oh, something, right, you know? right. Got it, yeah. Um... But yeah, so I started. I got up two weeks in a row, and people were like, "Holy shit!" Da, da, da. And I was like, "Oh, you don't just get up every week, uh, okay?" And then I went to some other. The third time was at some little rinky-dink bar show. Did you write jokes? I did. Yeah, I did. I had three. I was like, I knew because I'd gone enough to see like people who looked like they were just winging it. Yeah. And I knew from my stage training that, that they uh, weren't. That they that I or they just couldn't do it. They were like, "Oh shoot, what?" Oh, else? you mean at open mic? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. But you knew that everybody you saw professionally was writing. Writing, or at least they were winging it. It was like they were winging it with an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did prepare and then just started, and then I liked it. And it was like, oh, this whole new world, and oh, it's fun, and you're out at bars, and it's like a million guys, just, and you're the pretty, pretty princess for a week, (laughs) and you're like, oh, fuck this. (laughs) Uh But you didn't, like, you didn't, but still you... uh... I kept my day. That was one thing I remember Tracy Ashley saying: keep your day job as oh, long as you can. Right. Which was also good, and it's an interesting. Starting in Minneapolis, you can make a few bucks. Yeah. For, like if you have fifteen minutes, that's cleanish. Yeah. There's a. There were at least when I started a handful of one nighters. One nighters bookers who were like, oh, oh, I'm doing this, you know, deer hunting widowers weekend. Ooh, a a, a lady comic who's kind of clean. Heck yeah, come and yeah. come and do this VFW show where there's a 90 year old and a 19 year old in the audience. Right. We need, you know. So you learned like, okay, well. So you do special event gigs in the area. Yeah, you got weird, into like a VFW. Yeah. yeah, there's you can drive, you know, like an hour around Minneapolis. Was there a uh, like a community there? Yeah, of yeah. Guys have ne- and women that never left. I would work a lot for Bill Bauer, who's uh, has passed away, but um, he was a stand up. Uh, stand up, and I think he maybe was like of the Louis Anderson. Oh, that generation. That generation, but never never left the well, I think region. He, I think he was out in L.A. and then right. started a family. Maybe wrote for some things out here and then went back. But like, sold out everything. You know, would do all the talent, did uh-huh. the circuit in the Midwest, and would sell out uh-huh. all the shows. And those are always great. 
super fun gigs. You always got a prime rib dinner, you know. Right. And there's another lady, Rox Tarrant, a woman that I would always put on these shows. Yeah. Um, and I uh, always love hearing about those people, yeah. the unsung heroes. Yeah. Regional acts. Yeah. That just keep going. Yeah, or there's like um, C. Willie Miles, another comic that would performs at Acme sometimes, but just does like, I think he does a ton of cruises and like corporates. Cause yeah. Once I started doing it, friends, parents would be like, oh, we saw the funniest at our Coldwell Banker <laughs> annual meeting. Do you know this guy? And I was like, I've never heard of this guy. And then he like rolls up in this fancy car and you're like, oh, shit, that's a whole nother circuit of comedy yeah. I know nothing about. Have you done that? I've done a few corporates, but ugh. yeah, I didn't quit my day job, that office job until I've lived in L.A. almost six years. Um, so maybe like uh, seven, eight years ago. I kept it a long time. And then I kind of went down to part-time. I would leave early, drive four hours, tell health, jokes, care, and then come benefits? back. Yeah. So you stayed practical. You I stayed. You, you could not just let it all go. I, take, well, I'm not going to take dice. that leap. I'm not going to cross on the no, don't cross. I'm not. It was scary to take a leap. Well, but, you got to take a leap. Yeah. Yeah. When is that going to happen? Well, I'm here. I'm in LA. Here we are. Here we are in quarantine. Had some really, really great auditions right before lockdown. One of the, actually, one of the last auditions I went on, the guy was like, that was great. I'd shake your hand, but, you know. And I was like. Really? Great. But wait, okay, so you get here. Yeah. And, like, I think I had part of that. I, I think I, I uh, talked you up in Rolling yeah. Stone magazine. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah, going so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I use it in, like, a little one sheet about myself. I'm like, here's what Mark Maron said about me 20 years ago. Oh, you want to find the article <laughs> online? You can't. Uh, it's no longer on the thing, uh, but he did say it. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I guess it didn't. Maybe I, it's a, I have, uh, I'm playing the long game. I'm yeah, yeah. For you. <laughs> thank like, you, I'm like, thank you. Just yeah. waiting for my time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I do wish, like, I think also starting in the Midwest, you have this, like, the carrot you're chasing is, Okay, I'm going to host. Instead of you do these guest spots. Okay, and then now I'm going to host. Okay, now I want a feature. Mm. Okay, now I want to headline this tiny room in Sioux Falls. Okay, which is great and it's yeah. a good skill to have right. to not be afraid of an audience of 12 people, two of whom are 90, yeah. one of whom is 21, yeah. or whatever. And there's a hockey game on the TV behind you, you know. But so you're chasing that and you're headline. And then all of a sudden I feel like, when are you like, oh, shoot, is this, is this the. <laughs> The life. Oops, oops. I damn it. Because then you get to LA and you're like, dang, all these people who've lived here five years before me, the connection, the friends that they have. I know, but does it matter? I have no sense of it, man. I mean, does it matter? Like, I got here and I was like, yeah, I got here from New York and I I had some reputation, but I couldn't. I I feel like you always had a reputation. Well, not a good one. Right. Well, yeah, I didn't say that. But like like when I got here in 2000 and whatever, I mean, I could do comedy, but it was like, where can I do it? How do I do it? What, you know, who do I And nobody gives a shit if you have, like, you can move here as a headliner. Nothing. Yeah, they don't care. Doesn't matter. They don't care. You have 45 minutes out. Nobody cares. No, you got to get into the rooms. You got to get, or on the cool show. Yeah. You got, and then that locked out the one thing about Minneapolis, you, so once you realize, like, oh man, I don't. My goal is not to headline whatever small town every yeah. other weekend, um, or like I need to get somewhere where I can get a TV credit, so then at least I can draw some people, whatever. Um, in Minneapolis, sometimes people like you come through, or like um, I did Doug Loves Movies a couple times. So then when I and then that's where I met Jonas. So then like it'd be like oh, I'm going to be in LA, and he's like, oh well, why don't you come and do my show? Oh, what's your show? Oh, Meltdown. Yeah, I think I can squeeze that in on my trip. And so, you did it, right? Yeah, I did that a few times. And um, Did you do the TV version? I didn't do the TV version. Hmm. I have no TV uh, outside of maybe seeing me in a commercial for insurance or something. But uh, How many commercials did you do? I've done uh, uh, three or four here in LA. Yeah. Does that sound about right? 
Um, That's good. Yeah. Did they make some money? Uh, if you're, I'm not union, so I mean for for the day that I show up, yes, but for the you know ten auditions before that. But you come out here and you've got a few friends mm-hmm. and you're you know doing the little rooms here mm-hmm. and there, but it's hard. Yeah. And then you know then you get the job over at the restaurant. Right. And there you are. Yeah. But you don't have a problem with that. No, I mean it's a I'm like super part time at a restaurant. And, it's a groovy place. Yeah, and it's good because then I saw you because I think like I wouldn't have. You wouldn't have had me on the the podcast the podcast festival when I first moved here if I hadn't seen you in the restaurant. You know, like well, outside I didn't know out where of you mine. were. Yeah. You know, and like I always I always wonder about people when they you know when they are at jobs where they're visible to other comics. Like, am I embarrassing her right yeah. now? I saw Sebastian Maniscalco when he was a fucking waiter at like the Four Seasons yeah. or whatever. And it was just that moment where I'm there for a meeting and he's the waiter. I'm like, eh. yeah. And now he's the biggest act in the fucking yeah, world. Yeah, you never know. And it feels weird to be like, oh, I got this album, but I also work in a restaurant and I'm a failure. But uh, I, they're good people and it's great. And like, I've know, met though. good people. I don't know I don't... if it's a failure thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, what's the other option? Yeah, just what... sucking it up and not doing nothing and just smoking weed all day? No, nope, because I would be breaking rules. I don't do that. But uh, no. yeah, I, I drink a little, plenty of coffee. But yeah, it's keeps you sane, makes you leave the house. And I'd like to live a comfortable, like I like being able to pay rent. You don't want to worry rent. about shit, yeah. yeah. But here's my okay. question though. So, because I remember I wasn't concerned, <laughs> but you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't, after a certain point, I don't know how to help anybody. Yeah. But, uh, but like you met this dude yeah. Out of nowhere. I met my, I talked about my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I met him online. I swiped right. Really? Yeah. I was looking for adult physical fun in, in Los Angeles and Los Angeles is huge and I didn't want to date customers at the restaurant and I didn't want to date a comic. But it was specific physical fun? Yeah. I was, I was looking to have sex. Yeah. I, I, I will say that. So embarrassing. Yeah. Um, I'm an adult. I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Uh, so I swiped right. I was like, okay, this is, this is, you can mail order. You can swipe. Get this guy. First action. And I was like, oh, he's fun. He's got uh, cool gray hair. And, uh, and, and he lives like in, in my, on my side of town. Yeah. And, uh. So everything's going your way. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll keep him around forever. So you met him. Yeah. And so you, did you, you had the sex <laughs> and that was fine. Yeah. But you like the guy. Yeah. It's... And he's like a contrained guy? He, yeah, he works for Amtrak. He works on the trains. What does he do on the trains? He's, he's, he's a guy he's, that walks up and down He's a he's not the, con- the thing? No, that's the conductor does that, I think. He's like a train attendant. He's like a flight attendant, but on the trains. Oh, and then so sometimes he, he, works he works in the first class Amtraks? Yeah, some of that. And then sometimes he works in the yard, like doing stuff for the trains. I don't really know. Do but you like trains? He does, and I think he likes... Like he'll work like three days and then have like six days off, you know. Uh-huh. Like so, it's like that kind of hours. Um, you getting health insurance through yeah, Amtrak? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I had it at the restaurant, but now I have better with. Yeah. Oh, the restaurant? Yeah. That's nice. That's yeah, pretty... and four hundred one k. They take care of their at people. At the fucking restaurant. Yes, that's Isn't pretty that great? good, man. Um, so yeah, he works for Amtrak, and so that's another thing. He's gone. Some like he's usually gone three days. Every. Where does he go? Um. You now his route before the lockdown his route was uh, up and down the coast like up San Luis Obispo San Diego just back and forth yeah. and he'd spend the night like in Goleta or wherever and then uh, home for like four days so I'd have a few days uh, just alone yeah do what I want relax or like when he's gone okay then those nights you definitely got to go out and hit a mic or go see a show or do right. whatever but now we're just both home <laughs> in, our, in our I thought you said he was working a little well he is but there's there are way few 
fewer um, trains. trains right now. So last trip, he went up to Seattle and back, which he doesn't normally do, the long hauls. Along the coast or in the middle? Yeah, along oh, the coast. Nice. And then sometimes he goes up to Chicago. Really? Yeah. That's a long haul. Yeah, that's, is that six days? That might be, is Chicago or New Orleans, one of them is six days from L.A. So. So here we are. What are the big goals now? Yeah. You've done four commercials. <laughs> One of which I'm in a bathing suit, and so that means I'm a hero yeah. as a real woman. And, and you've uh, got this record out. Yep, that's solid. Yeah, and yeah. People are people are digging it. It's uh, I, ha- I guess it's playing on Sirius on a few different oh, channels. Oh, thank God! But yeah, that make you some money. Yeah, hopefully I haven't. I like I keep opening the Sirius app and like waiting to hear myself and got you know so my like the Pandora, which is such a strange. To pull up and see where people are listening. Oh, you do? You can? Yeah. Oh, no shit. I, get, I don't quite know how to read it all. Uh-huh. But. Where are they listening? Um, Like a lot in the Midwest and then up and down the coast. And then like a handful of places in Florida. Mm. Yeah, but you're like a, you're a Midwest person. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, the your point of view. Right. Yeah. Part of the appeal. Part of the appeal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm here. I, I love stand-up. Boy, do I miss it, which I didn't realize. It's weird because I'm having the opposite experience. You're not missing. I'm like, it. I think I'm done. Yeah. Well. Stand-up. Yeah. You I mean what? You're you're fancy pants actor. Are you like? Are you missing that? No, are you missing being I'm not on missing set? Anything. I'm like, <laughs> I, I've, I'm like, I've been waiting my whole life to do nothing with confidence. Well, <laughs> I mean, I've done nothing with nothing. With nothing. I like doing nothing with something. That's. I think you, it's safe to say you've earned it. You can yeah, enjoy no, this. Yeah, there's always part of my brain, you know, outside of the plague and worrying about, yeah. you know, the end of the world. But uh, but no, it's teaching me that like uh, like there was part of me that I don't know if I'm old school or what, but there was part of me that always thought like, when do you retire? When yeah. do we? Don't isn't the idea of work to stop? Yeah, but do you think do you think you, Mark Marin, will actually retire? I don't think so. It, I don't know. You know, everyone always asks me that, but like I don't I don't know. This is a real lesson in that. Yeah. This forced pause is really one of those things where it's like if you really think, you know, take assess yourself. Yeah. Like, how am I really feeling right. about doing nothing? Well, it's great because I know no one else is doing anything, right. so that helps. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, the the, the competition's Well, over. maybe at your level, so the level I'm at, I'm having a little bit of the opposite. Like, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing everything. Yeah. The agent is like, fill out, do, make sure this is up to date. And like, these casting directors are t- taking these submissions. And if you're not reaching out for a new manager, now is the time. And did it. And I'm like, I'm, right now? Oh, fuck, I'm behind. Yeah, because they have nothing to do but sift through submissions. I'm like, yeah, but if yeah. thousands of people are submitting. That's still another version of nothing uh, to do. Yeah. So doesn't mean anything. But They're I think trying to I justify think their jobs. It's it's. Are you feeling any creative? Uh, sure. I mean, what, are you yeah, writing? I see you cooking. Your oh yeah, no, I cook. Stuff. I play guitar. I'm, you know, I talk on the mic. Sometimes I'll go on IG uh, uh, live. Yeah. And, you know, and I I'm writing a few things down here and there, but mostly just letting my head clear out. Yeah. And uh, working on the house a bit, but. Um, do you miss acting? Are you loving the acting? It's and, okay. Like, I mean, like, look, man, it's nice to be part of a thing. Yeah. But, uh, part of a thing. You're part of some amazing, like, huge cultural things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's you know, it is fun and it's exciting, but it's work. Yeah. In, in a way. Yeah, everything's okay, but, like, I, I, the, I, don't, I don't think I would have ever taken a break. Yeah. Certainly not like this. Yeah. And, I'm, and I am surprised at how well I'm acclimating. Because as a comic, and I've said this before, like, we did nothing for a long time. Yeah. Not you, but many of us. <laughs> Oh, I've done nothing. I'm good at doing nothing, but yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, so the record's out. Yep. And hopefully we'll get back to work eventually. Yeah. Do you cook? Ugh, no, I hate it so much. 
So what are you guys doing? I mean, we're cooking. We uh-huh. have to. Like, luckily, we signed up for a CSA right before this all went down. What's that? The co- community sustained, uh, supported some s- agriculture. You get like, the box? We get a box of produce every week. It's still coming? Yeah. Huh. And then we now you can also, like, add on, like, eggs and milk and stuff. So we haven't really... I have to go out and get coffee after this, but I ha- we haven't really, like... I have coffee. This. Sweet. What, you, what kind of... Oh, you mean beans? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you some, I'll give you some beans. That's the only reason I'm here. <laughs> deal let's go take care of it thank you so much for having me this uh i this is great to talk to another human being <laughs> leave my house i i i got to pet a cat this has been I, I took a shower i put on makeup this is you look great this has been like prom this has been the highlight of my quarantine well wait till i give you your corsage <laughs> all right talk to you later oh, thanks for having me That was me and Amber Preston. Her new stand-up album is called Sparkly Parts. Get it wherever you get music and comedy records. It will bring you back to the Midwest. All right, let's play some guitar.